0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Outtake episode on Hobby Hotline about a week ago with uh, Rich Klein and Brad Bethune, Texas Card Dude. This is a little excerpt where we talked about uh, the shows. We were just coming off the Dallas show reminiscing about the Memorial Day shows in New York City that Rich and I both attended. It was a fun little excerpt. Hope you enjoy. Thank you sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComSea.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huck and Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck and Tops. So here's the discussion, the batting around of those ideas, and hope you have a good weekend.
1: Quick trip back in memory lane. This Memorial Day weekend, in addition to thanking all the people that were veterans, if you're of a certain age like I am, one of the big shows growing up was the Memorial Day weekend show in New York held by the Gallagher brothers. About 1974 or five, Marv Albert spent five minutes on a Channel 4 broadcast showing his childhood collection, taking film from the show. By the next day, that show had tripled in attendance. It's also one of the shows where I saw one of the greatest fist fights I ever saw in the history of the hobby, two rival families out of Brooklyn. Jim will probably know who they are if I tell you they're two rival families out of Brooklyn. But that show was a very influential show for five, six years. I believe they did programs and buttons. Do you still have any of the buttons?
0: I do the little button badges that yeah. you got for coming in the show. I don't know what I can do with them, Rich. They're probably too easily reproduced, but those were the good old days. They weren't even showcases. People just had stuff on their table right. and the volume wasn't there because there wasn't this mass production. If somebody had a full <laughs> table of cards, they were good cards.
1: The Gallagher brothers would put their cards in rubber bands and put them on the tables. We don't like to go back and buy all those cards, but I think we bought what we bought when we enjoyed them, and we were building our collections in those days, and everything was cheaper where you could afford to build your collection and be a dealer at the same time. Now, if you have another source of income, then you can be a collector, then you can be a dealer. Jerry Adamic at one of your hobby dinners said one of the greatest things his wife said. He was complaining about how prices going up. His wife said, you realize, Jerry, you have this wonderful collection you bought with your profits from your collection. <laughs> Jerry had a really good job, so he didn't need the hobby money to live. So he used his collection profits to build his collection, which is perfectly fine. But if you're going to be in today's world a full time dealer, you really can't be a collector. Now, if you buy a thousand cards for $20 and there's two Pete Alonzos in there, yes, you can keep the two Pete Alonzos. Your cost per card is two cents each, so it's not like you're blowing the deal over that. But if you make a thousand dollars and you spend $900 on the guys you collect, That's probably not the wise way to go.
0: There's two ways to grow a company or grow a collection. They're they're similar in that one is bootstrapping where you pay as you go. You try to work off your previous winnings. And the other is the accelerated model that a lot of these entrepreneurs want to take is borrow a bunch of money and jump in with a big splash and use other people's money or borrowed money or uh, equity uh, partners to get going. And uh, that's akin in a collection to just buying, buying and then worry about selling later. But you've either got to have the money or borrow the money or have somebody to invest alongside you. And uh, more and more of these companies want to take the quicker route. Whereas back in the old days, more companies were careful about taking on debt. And a lot of these hobby veterans you're talking about, Jerry Adamic, I'm sure he was putting some money in, but it was within reason. He wasn't loading up the credit card.
1: That two of the fractional share companies each got Another boost of money in the last two weeks, both rally and collectible, and I think the total between the two of them is like $42 million.
0: My sense is that the fractional field is a much safer bet than the NFT. The NFT has more upside because I think the potential is limitless. You can make something and it doesn't cost you anything to make it, and you can resell it and make money off the trading within your own ecosystem. But I think fractional is a pretty safe bet when people are loaning or investing money in that category. It's in some sense securitized by the fact that they at least initially own something. Maybe they've overpaid, maybe they can't sell out, but still the security is that they own stuff when they sell it and they take shares, they get money in where they could pay off the investors. And Would all- you say some of those were also even more strictly
1: regulated? When I set up a Kyle show, there's no regulation well, to what I do. You've
0: got a pyramid situation where they get in the money and they're supposed to buy stuff, but then they buy a little bit of stuff, but they take some money out and then they use the new investors' money to buy more stuff and all that part, I hope, is uh, extremely regulated. If somebody puts $30 million into a company and it's securitized by $30 million worth of collectibles, the risk is the value the collectibles could go down or that the uh, owners could abscond with the funds. But I think they've got a pretty nice business going and and I hope they do well.
1: And I'll never be able to afford unless I hit the lottery some of those cards. Mm -hmm. But if I choose to be in those two companies or Alt or any of those other companies and let's say I have an extra couple hundred lying around, I can then say I own a piece of a T206 Wagner. I can never own a T206 Wagner unless it's a reprint. But there's something nice about owning a share in something. Just there's something nice about saying, I own five shares of Amazon or whatever. I own five shares of a Wagner. And yes, we we as a hobby grew up expecting to own the whole car, 100% of it. But hey, in today's world, if I own five shares of Wagner, that's not the worst thing in the world. (sighs) Back in the day, the old Willow Grove show in the world's worst hotel where the really smart dealers who had extra money would rent a room at the hotel to do their business and then sleep at a good hotel. The George Washington Motor Lodge could have been the worst hotel in the history of the world. And George Washington Wait. may have actually slept, and the rooms may never have been cleaned since he slept there. But the show began Friday at 7, and Bob Schmier had very strict rules. But If you got to the show about 2 o'clock and you just walked up and down so to speak, the lobbies outside. Half the rooms were open and they were doing business and they had stuff and they had stuff and they had stuff. Despite how much money was done on the show floor, there may have been as much money done in those rooms before the show actually began. That's the closest I can remember to a scene like the Dallas Card Show. My friend Raymond Jones, who was sitting outside the show floor just keeping an eye on things, he was there overnight, he said... The last people got out of that trade night at 3.30 Sunday morning.